Hello and welcome to The Reconciled Life, a podcast that explores the idea of racial reconciliation through the lens of interracial marriage. Episode one, origin story. I'm a nerd, I love superhero things, but that's what we're going with. Uh, We are your hosts. I'm Holly Brown. And I am Aaron Brown. And we are so excited that you are listening to The Reconciled Live. Yes. Thank you so much. So we are the Browns. We have been married since 2013. So we're almost to that seven year mark, which is awesome. We have two beautiful children. Eliza Grace is three and Isaiah Carter is one and a half. And they are strong and independent and super cute and so so funny i teach at a university in the houston area i teach theater directing (laughs) uh not in that voice (laughs) but that's what i do no that's how he talks every day (laughs) (laughs) and i am a stay-at-home mom so right now i'm staying home with our kiddos uh you'll hear me at different points in in the season that I'll mention. Previously, I've worked as a hall director and I've also worked as a girls minister uh, at a church. And so I have more of a ministry background experience, um, but have felt like in this season, it's time to be with the kiddos. So that's a little bit about us, but this show is called The Reconciled Life. We're looking at the idea of racial reconciliation, which you may be wondering, what is that? (laughs) Well, it was a buzzword uh, and still is in a lot of religious circles in an effort to promote diversity in the church and unify race relations in America. And while it was a buzzword and people latched onto it, it hasn't necessarily been fully lived out. (laughs) It hasn't fully taken shape. There are a lot of churches that are still segregated, rather. I think a lot of people would say, I'm all for racial reconciliation, but beyond that, what do you do? Like they're, they're kind of just stuck. And so that's where we hope this podcast lands. And in the gap between wanting racial reconciliation and actually putting in work and taking action to create racial reconciliation around you and your community yeah so we are hoping that this podcast will be both a place of education and encouragement we are hoping that it can be a place of insight where you hear from other people's perspective and opinions and life experiences uh, and that can be a source of education for us to to better understand what other people might be thinking or feeling, but also a source of encouragement. Maybe you are in an interracial marriage. Maybe you are just trying to become more educated or further yourself along in this journey of anti-racism. And so we also hope that this can be encouraging to you, that there are other people out there who are also trying to learn and better themselves and speak up more in their own circles of influence. Uh, We believe in the power of education, and by hearing other people's uh, background and lived experiences, we think that can truly be the catalyst for change. While we love our interracial marriage, uh, we do feel the need to put a disclaimer that we are not saying it is the godliest form of marriage. Uh, uh, We are just saying that marriage is a constant journey of reconciliation, no matter your race, Uh, You are constantly reconciling to your spouse despite disagreements, different backgrounds, different experiences. You are always trying to 
be more and more unified and to maintain that unification. And so using that as a metaphor of the microcosm of a macrocosm of race relations in America, what can we learn through interracial relationships that can hopefully teach us a little bit more about reconciling race in America? So whether you are married in an interracial relationship, as we've mentioned before, or whether you have platonic interracial friendships or extended family members or just people in your life that are a different race than you. Those action steps we are talking about will be helping us learn to better respect other people and their opinions, even if they are opposite from what we grew up with, that we seek to understand someone else's perspective and and life experiences that have led them to maybe that belief system and that we can better empathize I think as Aaron mentioned hearing other people's stories sparks change I know in my own life that was the catalyst it was learning to empathize with some students who had a very different experience because they were a minority and I was in the majority so that's the big picture behind the reconciled life Uh, but how did this idea specifically come about for us our journey I would say maybe sparked when we were engaged but didn't really this journey of racial awareness and reconciliation and understanding didn't really take off until the last five years and so going back to our premarital counseling uh, there was a point when our counselor brought up the fact that we were an interracial couple and if i'm being totally transparent the only thought that i had really given it before this point was knowing that other people were going to ask me about it. Like I actually hadn't really deep dived into what does make that different. What, what is there to celebrate? Why is it important that we recognize we're an interracial couple and the good things that come with that? Um, and so when he asked us about it, he, he asked how would we respond when we get people disagreeing with our marriage? And I very flippantly said like, well, they can get over it. Like, they're wrong, we're right, um, and just kind of go about our day. And Aaron responded with a much more somber um, attitude and just said that he's aware that that could be an issue and depending on where we are or who we're around, that that could be something that escalates. Yeah, you know, people, things pop off real fast. (laughs) Yes, they do. Uh, And so the counselor looked at me, and it was the first time that I really had been called out for my ignorance in that sense. And he did it very lovingly, but was basically just like, Holly, you are dismissing Aaron's experiences as a black man. And you are choosing to believe your own experience over his. And this is an area where you really need to kind of sit back and listen to what he's telling you and not be so dismissive and flippant about it. And so that, that did hit me hard and we talked more about it, but I would say, and you can correct me if you remember it differently, but I don't remember a lot of deep conversations about the fact that we were in an interracial marriage and what that was going to look like. We left Houston a couple years into marriage and moved to a smaller town in Texas uh, where Aaron was going to grad school. The area that we came from in Houston was extremely diverse and the town that we were moving to was not (laughs) and his school was even less so. And so it was saying diverse in the sense of like going to my nephew's uh, 
basketball games at like the little kid leagues and you're like everybody's an interracial couple yeah like we're not exaggerating everybody was an interracial couple it's so diverse people from all over the world they're just beautiful biracial children playing basketball everywhere (laughs) yes uh, and so it wasn't until we both, I worked at the school, Aaron attended and worked there as well. And we both in our separate departments started getting involved with students of color organizations. For me, it was three students in particular that I was working closely with. Uh, they were all different ethnicities. And as I started to hear their stories and their day-to-day experiences of what their life was like on campus and just in the world in general, I was dumbfounded, which now I am embarrassed to say, uh, cause that's not like it was the first time I worked with students and I was also in an interracial marriage, but I just, for me, that was kind of the starting point. And so throughout our several years at this school, we saw that there were good things happening for the students of color and there was good elements of education that were kind of taking root on campus, trying to educate the students in the majority about uh, white privilege and microaggressions and things like that. But we saw very little bridging the gap between those two communities. Uh, And the longer we were there and the more we got to know students or they got to know us, we realized that we were kind of the exception and not the norm of an example of how black and white not only could be in existence beside each other peacefully, but like truly be a team and truly be unified. We were on a couple of different relationship panels and we were always the interracial representation. (laughs) And we started to realize that we were a a novelty in this area. Uh, And we're like, what are you talking about? Everybody (laughs) we know is is in an interracial relationship. And uh, we obviously know that is not true. Uh, But that just reflected the diversity from the area in the area from which we came. And so working with students and allowing them to be part of our lives and us to be part of their lives just opened the door for a lot of conversations and for them to ask a lot of questions. And uh, we started to realize that what had been normal for us was not normal for a lot of people. And I think we expected that from older generations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, younger generations are typically more progressive and so yeah. we're like if we're older than you yeah. why is this weird yeah. um, and to clarify when we say progressive we don't mean conservative or liberal politics we just mean in the sense of progressive and understanding interracial marriage should never have been outlawed in this country so yes that is what led to the creation or at least planted a seed for it yeah and then this little thing uh, called the year of 2020 happened. <laughs> you know, uh, no big deal. <laughs> that we are still in uh, this mess of a year. Can you believe it's not even over? <laughs> yeah, we, we're like just over the halfway mark. Uh, talk about a marathon. And so in the wake of the murders of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, um, and so, so many others, yeah. the protests uh, for Black Lives Matter, uh, all the upheaval and... The uh, man in Central Park with the bird, the bird watching. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the upheaval of the systems and foundation of our country being revealed to, you know, 
be racist and having to examine how race affects education, the justice system, healthcare, the voting entertainment rights, industry, voting or rights, eligibility, or uh, whatever—literally every part of the fabric of our country. We witnessed those things, and it was paralyzing. Yeah. To a degree, uh, as I think most of this country, while we are sitting in a pandemic and literally not told to go anywhere, we are watching injustice after injustice unfold before us. And it was paralyzing for me. I didn't know what to do, but I knew I wanted to do something. And so in those moments that you are uh, with your spouse and you're having those real raw conversations about what do we do? How are you feeling? Um, how do we move forward? We had both decided that we wanted to do something to yeah. uh, try to make the world better for our kids. And that separately led us both to to here, to this podcast. <laughs> and so thus, you listening uh, with those wonderful earbuds in your ears or on your commute. Uh, and so we thank you for listening and are excited for the journey we're going to take. And what will that journey look like, Holly? <laughs> so before I answer that, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Um, for this conversation in 2020, like hearing it from Aaron's perspective and how he said like the fear was paralyzing was really true. And I think in May, when the news broke about Ahmed, uh, that same mm-hmm. week... Oh, was it May? Was it April? I think that was April. Okay. Uh well, when the news broke, that same week, Aaron and I had just had a conversation about him running uh, and what time of morning he chooses to run. Or evening. Or evening. Um, and that conversation was about his safety, uh, but it also had piggybacked off of a conversation just a few weeks earlier where as we walked around our neighborhood, Aaron knew all of our neighbors. And like, he is a very sociable guy, but not typically like strike up a conversation in the middle of the street type of sociable guy. (laughs) Uh, And so uh, after he waved and like told me about the fourth person, I just had to ask him, what, what's the deal? Like, you're not this friendly normally, no offense. And, (laughs) And he said something to me very simply, but just matter of factly for him and said, he just said, Holly, they have to see me with the kids and they have to know that I'm not a threat because I go running either early in the morning or later at night. And so I need them to know me in the daylight so they're not scared of me in the dark. And that wasn't shocking to me. And in that moment, I it almost was more of a reaction of like, oh, of course that makes sense. Like I should have realized that before now. I shouldn't have had to ask you that because We have been married for several years, and that's not the first conversation we've had along those lines. But it was just a reminder that even this far into marriage, my understanding and my reality as a white woman is different than his understanding and his reality as a black man. And so when the story broke about Ahmed, that just struck me personally in a a hard way of just knowing like that that could be my husband, that could be some of my dearest friend's husbands, uh, that could be our future kids, like that is not super rare, unfortunately, in our country today. I just felt like that might be helpful for you guys listening to know 
also is part of the why of like when Aaron said we wanted to do something to make a difference for our kids that feels like a grandiose statement um, and what parent doesn't want that what parent doesn't want to make a positive impact for our kids but what I am learning as a white mom to kids of color it is a different burden and one that I don't fully understand because I'm not black or uh, brown but making a difference for my kids has become something which should be a given that it will be safe for my kids to run down the street for a jog and yet that's not a given for them like it is for so many white kids and so if you are in an interracial family listening to this we hope going back to Aaron's question of what what does this podcast what is it going to look like if you're in an interracial family Uh, whether that's through adoption, whether that's through marriage. We hope that this podcast will be a source of encouragement and honestly, almost like a place of camaraderie. I know that for us, as we've been interviewing other interracial couples, it's just been a little bit of a breath of fresh air of just the reminder. I think especially because we're in a pandemic and we're not seeing people as much as we're used to seeing. So it's nice to hear our thoughts coming out of other people's mouths. (laughs) We're not crazy. We're not crazy. Uh, but if you aren't in an interracial family, uh, we are also so excited you're here. And we actually have thought of you guys as well. Because we also hope that this podcast will be a place of education and insight and maybe better understanding into your friends or your extended family or your coworkers who might be in an interracial family. And we hope that it will be a place where you can message us questions. We plan on having question and answer episodes and so we hope that you'll follow us on our social media accounts at the reconciled life on instagram and on facebook we have accounts on both of those pages and so dm us or comment on our post and ask questions uh you can also email us at the life at gmail.com so we just our goal really is that this space will be insightful and educational and also fun. <laughs> we don't want it always to be just this heavy, depressing thing. Like it's it's good to learn and it's good to grow and be stretched. Uh, so this season we will be interviewing interracial couples that we are friends with and you'll just be hearing from a variety of ethnicities and ages and we will be talking kind of across the board about 2020, but also weaving in hot topics and Christian topics and different backgrounds and... Their personal experiences with their families and if their families were on board with their interracial marriage or not and how they navigated that. Are they still navigating that? Cultural differences, raising biracial children. Uh, As Holly said, this is meant to encourage interracial families and provide education insight to those who aren't. So... If you are ready to take the journey to grow in your understanding of BIPOC or people of color. Can uh, you say what BIPOC means? Yes, B-I-P-O-C, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Uh, so that's the new term uh, that we are using to encompass the different intersection of minorities in this country and uh, what they are experiencing. So we hope that if you're just like, I just don't know a lot about, you know, people of color and their experiences, 
Well, welcome to The Reconciled Life. Yeah. Uh, and we hope that through some of our conversations, you'll have a chance to learn more uh, and have a laugh or two. This is The Reconciled Life. Please subscribe. Yes, please subscribe. Uh, ask us questions, comment. Uh, we'll take a positive review if you feel so inclined. Yes. <laughs> uh, and know that we are learning on the go. That yes. This is a passion project and... We're also in a pandemic, so we're doing a lot of these through Zoom. Uh, and so, you know, the internet is the devil sometimes. Yes. And sometimes it's great. But uh, we are learning on the go and trying to improve as we go. And so uh, give us grace, give please, us grace, please. <laughs> uh, as we navigate something that is new to us. And we promise that we are learning and trying to get better each yes. time we do it. In every episode, we're going to do our final five. And so I feel like we should answer our own final five to kick us off. Okay. So it's final five is our rapid fire last five questions. Ready? Favorite cookie. Go. Chocolate chip. Ooh. What about you? Chocolate chip. Okay. We're very easy. <laughs> <laughs> when we go, when we travel, we typically go to bakeries mm-hmm. as our tourist thing. <laughs> so we're walking a lot. True. So it's okay that we're like literally spending too much money on too the goods. Too much money. But yeah, so that's where that question comes from. Your turn. Okay, your question is, what are you subscribing or unsubscribing to? I am unsubscribing to COVID store updates from all the stores I visit and what they're doing with the COVID response. I am unsubscribing to cookies that don't taste good. I've had too many good ones now. I'm just going to own it. I'm a cookie snob. Uh, And I am subscribing to the cartoon Bluey on Disney with our kiddos. It is so funny, y'all. For parents, I think... Aaron and I find it funnier than our kids do. Yeah, we're like, they, they wake up like, what do you guys want to watch? We're like, uh, we're like, Bluey? 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 Let's They're watch like, Bluey. No, we're like, yeah, okay, we're going to watch Bluey. And it's, <laughs> it's totally so fast. good. It's so, so good. Um, what about you? For me, uh, I would have to say I am loving Disney Plus right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, first off, uh, we got Hamilton yep. at the beginning of July and the end of July with Beyonce's Black is King. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, Disney Plus, <laughs> I see you, money. I love you, and thank you. So, you know, we have Hamilton, Bluey, and Beyonce's Black yep. is King, or yep. Black is King, a film by Beyonce, all on <laughs> oh, Disney Plus. And so, hey. I'm there. I am there for it. What are you watching or listening to right now? Okay, so we just started watching, well, Aaron fell asleep, but I watched the Netflix show. I don't even totally remember what it's called, but it's Indian Matchmaking. I think it's the Indian Matchmaker. It was so good. I hope some of you guys are watching that because I would love to chat with you in the comments or over direct messages about the people on there and listening to I have a plethora of podcasts that I'm trying to listen to, but I just finished up 1619 by the New York Times, fan of Jamie Ivey's The Happy Hour, and Annie F. Downs' That Sounds Fun podcast. Those are kind of my go-tos. For me, at a much darker place, <laughs> I just finished Ozark. The currencies of Ozark, it was so good. I was not prepared for the ending. So yeah, good. I didn't. It's too intense for it's me. It's too intense, probably. What's the favorite part of your day? Ooh, putting the kids down for bedtime. <laughs> yep, I, that's my answer. No shame. No shame. No shame. <laughs> love them, and I love it when they go to bed. Uh, what does bring you joy? 
So when our when our kids are playing together and not fighting, but actually laughing and chasing each other and squealing, like that's actually a lot of fun and that brings me a lot of joy. Uh, I'd agree. I think the laughter of uh, our kids, okay. that is something that always, especially there's a sort of laugh when they tilt their head back and it's just pure joy. That is a great reminder in these times. And yeah. so, yeah. Thank you for tuning in to The Reconciled Life. Episode one, origin story. To do Well, that's more like law and order, which is not what we're doing. But yeah, origin story. Please come back and please hit subscribe. <laughs>